Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. everyone and welcome to the show that is the sun's hooked on wrestling and we creep ever closer to wrestlemania 34 and you know what that means it means that aj styles versus shinsuke nakamura is around the corner it means that roman reigns versus brock lesnar is imminent and it means that showbiz paul benson is going grayer and balder and fatter and sweatier because he's now got the panic on about what he's got to do in the next three or four weeks. But he's joined me for this evening and for all of you uh, to go through some of the events of the last week as we build towards WrestleMania. How's it going, mate? It's not bad, Rob, actually. Hello, everyone. If someone wouldn't mind just writing in and telling me what the weather's been like for the past week, um, that'd be much, much, much appreciated. Do you know what? I've, we've recently, in my job, we've moved offices, right? And so most of the week, I'm in a nice, you know, modern office block, and it's kind of uh, ordinary. But about one day a week, I have to spend it somewhere different because of where I am with the logistics of it. Boring story. I won't go into too too much. And that today was today. But where we are is kind of under the bowels of a building, and it's got no natural light and no windows. And it just throws you off when you come back out into different weather than you started with. I had had no concept that it had been raining today. And I I said, well, no, it's been raining. And they went, it's been raining for like five hours. But I'd not not walked outside. It was very... uh, very surreal. We, we this is the we talk about the wrestling bubble, do we not? I think we can talk about the uh, the WWE being in their little bubble sometimes. It's like, how are you doing with your own WrestleMania bubble? Well, it, I won't lie, it's taking up a lot of my time now. It's a hell of an undertaking, this, isn't it? And um, I won't, I wouldn't do it unless I absolutely loved it. I thrive off this sort of thing. Yeah, these parties are fantastic. Spoiler alert, they're not making anybody rich, but they are absolutely great fun to do. I love to see them grow. I love all the little bits and bobs we can do. Some hilarious stuff coming up soon. Um, so I do not mind all the toil, but my God, you were right about getting fat. I can't remember what the inside of a gym looks like, mate. <laughs> oh, there's wow. The re- there's the uh, Gym of the Week reference. And that, one, <laughs> that, one, that one nice and early on. You say it's a very big undertaking. I think the big question that's going around now is, is it a dead man undertaking or is it an American badass undertaking? Uh, but that uh, all should be uh, revealed in uh, in a few weeks' time. Um, do you kind of feel like I did? Um, we'll talk about um, uh, Fast Lane in due course and we'll talk about some of our parties in due course. We will get to everything, folks. Do not worry. We're going to try and cram a lot into about an hour and a half tonight. Um, but did you feel like I felt once Fastlane had finished that I kind of felt, okay, that's done now. It's almost like um, when you've bought your last present for someone before Christmas or something like that, you go, right, it's done. Now I can enjoy it. It sort of felt like all of the rigmarole is over, oh. all of the machinations we have to go through. We can now start the build properly to WrestleMania. Absolutely. You know, I said when we were on last week, I stated how much I dislike these pay-per-views that are between Mania and Royal Rumble should be the way around I guess and to have two 
especially ones that are fairly substandard because you're watering everything down it just feels like everything's in a holding pattern so to get it out of the way and it you know you, you just had to look at raw and smackdown this week we went from what two matches announced i guess for wrestlemania and now we've got you know three quarters of a card um forming and i just think brilliant we are truly in wrestlemania season now you can feel the buzz already you can feel the excitement hell i was watching good morning britain this morning and who pops up but Susanna reed talking about the undertaker really in what context well she was interviewing john cena about his new movie but she did <laughs> 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 but oh, she, was, she was talking about the undertaker and how john cena's challenging at wrestlemania and i swear man like you really know you're in wrestlemania season when Susanna reed is talking about it <laughs> that's fantastic any chance of um <laughs> any chance of getting piers morgan into a match and actually uh well, <laughs> mma rules no deep wouldn't wouldn't that be nice well look, john cena actually did a little video afterwards because uh, Piers Morgan wasn't on the show. He did a little video because I assume everyone had been having, uh, you know, having, you know, messaging him on Twitter saying, "Make sure you have a pop at Piers." Blah blah blah. And so he did a promo on Piers Morgan about how he was too afraid to be there to face him, which I don't know, man. It just amuses me seeing these two worlds collide. Like seeing, I love seeing wrestlers in media media uh, spotlights and media sort of outlets that are just completely alien uh, and obviously Cena and The Rock are the two most paramount on that it just just boggles my mind you know like the, I remember the other year turning Good Morning Britain on again it was and seeing Stephanie McMahon sat on the sofa it's like what what is what is going on you're not supposed to be there mainstream media don't pay attention to wrestling why are you there all credit to WWE's PR guys and I love it but it just is so weird my favourite was um, when I interviewed... Hang on, just excuse me, get me ready to just do one of my big clangs here. Um, but when I interviewed Hulk Hogan, or I should say that uh, when uh, Joel Ross uh, and, and I um, interviewed Hulk Hogan for The Sun many years ago, uh, when he was being added to a uh, TNA tour uh, that, was, uh, that was hit in London, um, I remember interviewing Hogan, and we were the next one. I thought either we were one before or one after Loose Women. Right. So, like, so he did like this. He did the star, the mirror, the sun, loose women, talk sport, and then whatever. But it was like there was ever so weird interviewing someone that was about to go on loose. Like I can't imagine we'd have ever got Janet Street Porter talking about backlash. So it was like <laughs> um, it was. It just felt a little bit odd that someone was going on to do to do loose women. And of course Hogan did loose women, and then had a, uh, a, a lawsuit with Gorka, and we can't really talk about that. Um, but um, I think from that sort of perspective of people being you know, a bit more mainstream you know I have a Hogan story I, mean, I may have remembered this wrongly but when I was a kid I can specifically tell you how old I was I'd have been 8 coming up 9 because I'm essentially the same age as Wrestlemania although I suppose Wrestlemania is well I'm actually a year older but Wrestlemania 1 happened around my first birthday and I shall be 34 in a few weeks time and it's Wrestlemania 34 so I can always work out things around Mania so I can tell you that I was coming up for 9 years old because it was coming up to Wrestlemania 9 and I now know, in hindsight, that Hogan completely blew the ending to WrestleMania. Or, well, not quite, because he was asked a question. This was on Live and Kicking, or Going Live, or whatever the uh, the equivalent. What would it have been in uh, in 93? Would it have been Live and Kicking, by the Live and Kicking was probably a good shout, actually, yeah. yeah so, so you've got, I don't know, Emma, Emma, not Emma Freud, Emma Forbes and Andy Peters, or whoever it is, and they're interviewing Hulk Hogan, and they say, you know, what's going to happen at WrestleMania? And he said, Bret Hart's going to wrestle um, Yokozuna. I hope Bret wins, because what I'll do is I'll walk to the ring there and then. 
and I'll challenge him and I'll say, Brett, give me a match now for the for the what? world title. And I'll hopefully I'll beat him. Honest, I swear he's I've no, I've never seen it again since. I can only remember this in my mind, so I'm hoping that a twenty five year memory you know, is accurate. But I swear that's what he said. No, he didn't say Yoko's gonna win, he said Brett's gonna win. But he essentially explained in character, obviously, he explained in character what he was going to do at the end of the show and come to the ring and challenge the winner. So all this stuff about oh, it was something that they came up with on the sorry Bruce and you know other people that have you know talked about this and, and it was something that came up on the day and they weren't going to give him the title and this kind of thing. Hogan said a couple of weeks before the thing on bloody live and kicking of all places, I'm going to go and challenge Brett after he's won the, after he's retained the title. So listen. I might have that completely wrong, mightn't I? I'm not. I'm probably the least reliable source here. I'm trying to remember a kids' television show from 25 years back, but I'm fairly certain that's what happened. But uh, imagine if that happened now. Like, there would be so many issues for that now, wouldn't there? Well, the and, thing is, the thing is, it just simply wouldn't, would it? They're so media trained to within an inch of their lives that you know, you imagine the swarms of PR guys who are around Cena today. It just would simply wouldn't happen. But the thing is, well, you say that, but if anyone was going to do it, you could imagine Hogan doing it. You know, you can imagine him, you know, not being happy that his position, you know, just wrestling a tag match in the middle of the show, and actually chucking in something. I could imagine him sort of like agitating totally. for something and, and throwing something away, and you know, and making an issue. Is it not the story about Russo that Russo was on? on Ru- what what was the equivalent of? What was the what was the internet show that they did? Um, I can't remember what it was. I want to say live. Was it called Livewire? Bite this. No, no. I thought it was earlier than Bite this. There was there was one at the first sort of internet show. Maybe it was Bite this, but the first internet show that they did anyway. Um, this was for the 1997 Royal Rumble, and they had Russo on there like as a sort of like a magazine writer, and it was supposed to be a kayfabe in character thing. But who's going to win the 1997 Royal Rumble? And he basically went, well, it'll be Bret Hart, because if you work out who's all the main eventers, then logically what you do is you get to Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in a rematch, or something like that. And it was like, oh. It's like, <laughs> he's, just, he's just given away our WrestleMania. And they, <laughs> and they changed the ending. That's the, the story. Is that, you know, it, he gave away that it was so obvious that Bret was going to win the Rumble, and Bret was going to win the Rumble. And they changed the ending because... Russo basically gave it away on an internet show that everyone sort of worked out the same thing, so they changed it to Austin, and then went through all the final four cobblers that were ended, you know, up, ended up getting to WrestleMania 13. Just to go off on a little bit of a tangent, I was listening to Steve Austin's podcast with Russo today. It's been a long time since I've had to turn a podcast off. Oh my days! I don't often say that. I don't like to assassinate anybody. How big of a shitbag is oh, Vince like Russo? Austin. honestly right Austin asked him this question and the question was basically he got him on the podcast to talk about um, shoot Poma promos obviously in inverted commas and specifically about Brian Pillman in 1996 now Austin asked this very long winded question to be fair and and was very targeted very laser guided question asking him about his opinion on on a specific Brian Pillman promo from 1996 Russo's answer he said he just, let me just sidebar for a minute bro and then spent the next five or ten minutes talking about TNA 
and talking about his time in TNA. Not only that, but was talking about how how his revelation and how the best booking he ever did was that he used to do stuff in TNA where he'd come out completely unscripted when the talent didn't know he was there, and how he got swerved by Roddy Piper. It was a complete bag of shit. He was claiming how good it was. Austin was. You could tell Austin knew he was lying. Then Austin started trying to probe him and challenge him, and he just. And honestly, you've got to listen to it. It's bro this, bro that. It's a shoot, bro. Honest every five seconds. I've never just I honest, and it was just complete nonsense. You can tell Steve Austin is going, "What the fuck have I done?" Inviting this guy into his podcast, and he doesn't believe a word he says. He tries to gently challenge him. He's very subtle, but Ru- Russo is just honestly. You know, we were talking before we came on air about um, about Mrs. Brown's boy. And you think how hell can people be employed to do that how the hell was Vince Russo ever employed to write wrestling television the man is a complete and utter moron it just it just boggles my mind anyway I had now to you can hang off. on well you can you can call him a moron that's your opinion and that's um, one can argue fair comment you're not though calling him a liar are you you're not saying he was a liar you're saying that he may have been mistaken on how much he would remembered stuff um, because you can get in trouble for calling people liars, you know. So you're not oh, calling him. A, you're not calling him a liar, are you? You're, you're saying no, no, no. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying he's, he's misremembered. He's, he's remembered it wrongly, is what is what you mean. I think so I think he's remembered it wrongly and misinterpreted the facts. Yes, and I will also say that uh, you talked about what we were speaking about before we started recording. Uh, one of those things was to um, make sure we don't burn bridges, and I believe you've just called Vince Russo a shitbag. So um, just in case I, we ever need to. Uh, Involved Vince, Vince Russo in Hooked on Wrestling. I um, totally, totally don't mind burning that bridge because uh, Vince Russo will never be involved in any way, shape, or form with what anything I ever do. There we go. Uh, he's a big, uh, big Bama fan, apparently. Vince Russo <laughs> wants to come to the next show. Uh, well done on that last week, by the way. That was a uh, very Thanks well so put much. together uh, event, and hopefully people were uh, like some of the uh, the clips. I know. Listen, I'm not, I'm not much of an MMA guy, but I actually found it quite interesting seeing some of those clips come up on our. Uh, hooked on wrestling Facebook page last week. I know there's a few people went, "Oh, this is wrestling and not MMA." You're quite right. And if we did that every day, every week, you'd have a point. But this was the first time we've ever done it. We've had that Facebook page three years. You know, that's the first time we've ever put some MMA clips on like that. It was for one evening. You know, if you didn't like it, we're very sorry, and we—I promise you—we won't do it on a regular basis. If that happens every week, you have my permission to record. You know, to take this clip and you know shove it right down our faces. But we were kind of hoping that you would like to see something a little bit different to understand that there if you are a UFC fan which are lots and lots and lots of wrestling fans are UFC fans um, then you might not realise that Bama is out there Paul happens to have something to do with it of course there was a crossover there there's a reason for it um, but that's what we were hoping for and I am saying that and Paul knows Paul is probably surprised I'm saying that because he knows I don't like MMA and <laughs> I didn't watch any of those clips well I did watch a couple of those clips because I was interested to see what was going up but he knows I wouldn't have been interested in the content. But I don't right. buy the whole stompy foot I'll, because I don't like one thing. You're never allowed to show it me. Well, actually, some people do like it. So uh, that's yeah, my little a lot, a lot of pe- a lot of people did, and, and we'll carry on showing them. The events are only every two months. One Friday night every two months, we'll turn yeah. it over to a bit of bammer action. That's right. um, and you know, that means one Friday night. So six Friday nights a year, you don't have to look at your uh, Facebook page. That's basically what it means, isn't it? So the other 359 days a year, you're kind of clear. I start thinking there you right. go. I think that's go. okay. And also, uh, I want to say well done to you and well done to our uh, our followers there on uh, on the Facebook page. Which is where can they find our Facebook page? Facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling. 
don't know why I did that in American yeah. accent. I'm just well, changing things up a bit, really. Let me, let me reassure you that you didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some sort of drunk Swede or something. But uh, um, <laughs> uh, that, on that Facebook page, which our Swedo-American friend just told us about, um, we have instituted uh, a non-spoiler rule uh, in the wake of pay-per-views because... Uh, what happens, which is something I suffer from, which is not being able to watch pay-per-views live, and then occasionally I'm busy on a Monday and a Tuesday evening, and sometimes it means it's Wednesday before I've had a chance to watch a pay-per-view. Now, some people will, you know, cry spoilers about you know certain film reveals two years after they've come out, and it's like, well, you know, statute of limitations, mate. I think you know someone's got a right at some point to uh, to mention something, and I think if you're on social media four days after a pay-per-view, and then you you, you have a spoiler, then I think you're in. You know, I don't think you're on very. Uh, I think you're on quite no. thin ice in terms of complaining about that one. But I do get very annoyed when I, you know, the first thing I look at Monday morning is someone going, "Oh wow, so and so came back and so and so won the title." I go, "Oh thanks," because I'm not going to get an opportunity to watch that uh, live, and you've just killed it for me instantly. And by the way, you can probably go way back into my Twitter feed and find something from eight years ago when I did just that. But you know, we all make mistakes naively, and. Uh, uh, and then we get over it. I think. You know, so, uh, you know, you know. You mentioned Hogan at WrestleMania Nine earlier. Can I yeah. let you into my first ever spoiler story? I was. Oh, yeah, um, please do. I was. Um, I was at school. It was 1993, and um, I was very. We used to go and watch my the pay per views at my friend Lawrence Brown's house, who had Sky. Now, we uh, we planned to go and watch WrestleMania Nine with a bunch of guys at his house on Monday night when it was airing. Now, a little kid whose name was Lee I'll always remember the little bugger came up to me at the beginning of the school day on Monday and I don't know how um, he knew this this was obviously pre-internet it was pre-Sky showing the pay-per-views live I have no idea how he knew this but he turns to me and goes did you watch Wrestlemania Hogan won the title and I just looked at him condescendingly and went titles you mean because he was in the tag title match mm. not the world title match and he's like Oh, I must have got it wrong. He goes, yeah, did he win the titles? And I was so angry that he told me the result of the tag team title match. I was so furious. And then, lo and behold, the tag team title match comes along and Hogan has lost by disqualification. And I'm thinking, Lee, you pillock. <laughs> titles don't change hands on a disqualification. Everybody knows that. Um, and then, lo and behold, the main event comes and I'm like, I, as soon as Hogan came out, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I can see what's going to happen here. And the pay drop, that was my first ever spoiler. So, Lee, if you're listening, 48 hours, mate. Seriously. Even if you're at school picking your nose in the changing rooms. Come on. Now, I can tell the reverse story of that. To bring it up to date, I can tell you the reverse story, which is remaining spoiler-free and then actually not watching something properly because um, I will admit that I skimmed fast. And I watched pretty much all of it, but it was... I didn't watch it. You know, I didn't sit down and watch a three-hour presentation. Um, I watched it broken up, and I sometimes skimmed certain little bits. Um, but I, to the extent where I got to the end of a of a match where you know Charlotte retains the title and stuff, and I went okay on to the next one and uh, watched some other matches and watched the end of the pay-per-view. And it wasn't until <laughs> until today where I went, oh, oh sorry, because I I should say for everyone's um, delectation, I actually haven't seen Raw and SmackDown yet, although I'm aware of some of the things that happened on them. Um, but uh, I then read about Asuka turning up and challenging Charlotte, and I thought, I didn't see that, so I I'd managed to skip that bit. I, I was content that the match was over and uh, was able to skip forward, so I have completely missed 
um, a, a piece of a show that I was actually watching. So that's kind of the opposite, that's the opposite to the uh, someone spoiling something is you spoiling something for yourself by being actually uh, useless. But uh, can I just well, say that I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it though. It's a, a topic that we've talked about uh, on the show. We're not going to do too much of this year's WrestleMania on this show because we feel like we've uh, we've done that a little bit. We're going to in just a second talk about Fastlane and then we're going to do some little. I think we might do a couple of sort of old school WrestleMania uh, topics. I think you've asked. Uh, have you put the question on the uh, on the Facebook page this evening? I have indeed. So we're going to come to that in uh, in due course as well. But before we get into all of our topics, we've we've had a bit of a a winding intro here. But uh, what we'd like to do early on is to say uh, thank you to all of you for tuning in as ever. We don't do enough of that at the top of the show, thanking you for downloading each particular podcast, especially when it's just me and Paul, as it is uh, this evening, uh, as we record, just kind of uh, rambling on here. No guests this week. But um, uh, we are always grateful not only of your support of the podcast, but of course of all of our parties uh, that are occurring all around the country. And if you happen... Uh, and in fact, listen to me, Paul. All around the country, all around the world. Eh? All around the world, my man. So we'll come to that in just a second as well. But uh, for those of you that are not aware, in brief, Hooked on Wrestling, um, who we are, uh, are a company that essentially uh, we do our pay-per-view parties. It's our kind of core area. Uh, what we do for the three main pay-per-views per year, that is the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania and uh, SummerSlam, with some selected extra events as well. Um, we cover that pay-per-view and we will screen it live in a very cool venue somewhere around the UK and we will add our particular touch to it so that means uh, the Hooked on Wrestling pub quiz some big news on that coming up later on uh, the Hooked on Wrestling pub quiz um, our encouragement for you to uh, to dress up in wrestling gear uh, to cut a promo to play wrestling tunes to give away prizes uh, and all other stuff that, uh, that goes on at some of the venues as well some of our venues um, we have things like beer pong and video games and um, and all stuff that goes on and then of course the actual show itself where you can watch uh, the show as it is live from midnight onwards um, and you know you can join in it's, a, it's the nearest you can get to being uh, at the event if you if you realise um, way, way back when um, before pay-per-view there was closed circuit television so the first couple of Wrestlemanias yes. um, were watched on closed circuit people would go to a theatre or to a, uh, a cinema more, more particularly and that was how you watched WrestleMania. You watched it in that kind of venue. Well, we've reinvented that. So you come along and watch it with us in a bar, in a in an intimate um, setting. Um, we, we, will, we will have parties that range from having a few dozen people in a small venue to... What, what, what's our capacity in London? 600, 500, something crazy uh, like that? 520, I think it is. Right. And we'll fill it, guys, by the way. Um, so all over the country, these things are happening. In fact, Paul will give you, I believe, a brief list, or as brief as you can be, list of all of our venues. What is it, 20? I keep forgetting the number every time, but 23? 23, 23, man. It's just ludicrous, isn't it? Mm. Let's go. Let's go. So before this, guys, if you want any more details on the actual venues, pricing, etc., etc., you can get it all from facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. Click on our events page. They're all listed there in detail you find out everything about them but we are going to be in London in Clapham uh, for you South Londoners we're going to be at London Bridge for a special VIP party an intimate smaller affair with a slightly different way of setting it up cracking stuff nearly sold out there only about 20 more tickets available we're in Manchester we're in Leeds Watford Nottingham Birmingham Bournemouth Newbury Derby Leicester Sheffield Cleethorpes Chester Newcastle again 
very few tickets left about 20 as we as we speak now maybe fewer when this podcast goes out we're also in glasgow bristol luton lincoln beverly brighton chelmsford and calgary alberta canada that's amazing. I love hearing you say that. <laughs> you know, gen- genuinely, folks, that's not a wind-up. And you know, for, for me saying a couple of weeks ago when Paul said Newbury and I said it was West Newbury, Massachusetts, and I was joking, it's actually Newbury in Berkshire, we are legitimately running a party in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So <laughs> the famous home of the Hart family, of Lance Storm, of various other uh, terrific Canadian wrestlers, and now Hooked on Wrestling has turned up. Very good. Uh, Big thanks to uh, to our friend Rob, who's out there in Canada, and he's going to be uh, running our event for us out there. And we're just hoping to add a little extra Canadian flavour to this podcast before WrestleMania uh, comes, if you catch my drift. We'll see. We're, we're still working on that. But, uh, you know, great stuff, Paul, to have all those um, you know amazing venues. And um, great to see that some of them are, you know, knocking very, very close to, uh, to sell out. So just, so, you know... It's an encouragement to you all for whatever venue you're going to. Once you're committed to actually coming along, please do um, purchase as early as you can because um, it, it helps everybody. It helps us to know what kind of numbers to expect. Uh, it can help you to get a better position because some places you'll need to get in nice and early to, to claim a table and uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, nobody slamming your 3Ds through them, please. But uh, you might want to get in early to get your tables. Um, and also, um, you know, you can you can be safe in the knowledge that you're going to get one because I mean most places will not sell out but there are a few venues where we will get right to the limit if not completely sold so as you heard London Bridge you know getting close Newcastle getting close and London Clapham it's our biggest venue um, by far but you know that will get close once we get towards bell time uh, particularly as we tend to have a run in the last couple of weeks don't we Paul once people start to realise that it's uh, um, getting much more closer and I would have thought towards the end of March once we hit payday yeah. That'll be the weekend, wouldn't it? When it's the Mate. last last Friday in the month, that payday weekend, whoosh, they'll start going. All all bets are off, you know. Normally we see a big flurry when we put the tickets on sale, then a big lull until the card starts to properly take shape. And then in the last couple of weeks you see it really flying, especially in the last three or four days. These tickets haven't stopped. We've been selling eighty tickets a day for the past four days. Which, you know, under normal circumstances in this little period you know you'd probably be selling about 10 so it's just going a bit mad it's going absolutely crazy um and i will say this not to uh, not to dampen your uh, fireworks or urinate on your french fries there sir but normally you'd be selling about 10 a day but normally we have about nine parties not 23 i meant, I meant pro rata you <laughs> um um so yeah basically things are going like especially if you want to be involved in our vip party in london or if you want to be in the newcastle event in particular literally press pause now go and get your tickets from ringsideworld.co.uk because you might genuinely miss out in the next 24 48 hours something we typically say or um there'll be plenty of people saying why aren't you coming to my town city village hamlet you know country universe um we shake it up there sometimes we'll come to somewhere just to test out the uh, the waters then we'll test out somewhere else then we'll realize we're onto a good thing sometimes it's the venue sometimes they don't necessarily want us or they've got something else going on um there are a plethora of reasons 
um, why we're not coming to where you are. And sometimes it's economic, and sometimes it's just circumstantial. Sometimes we can't get a host. Sometimes we can't get a license. There's all sorts of reasons. But it's, you know, please don't take offence. We do not we do not sit here and go, well, we don't like that area of the country, so we're not coming there. Um, that is not how it works. It is purely uh, for uh, economic or circumstantial reasons. That's basically it, isn't it, Paul? That's it. Exactly. We'd love That's to be it. everywhere. I'd like to be in every bar in the in the land, but unfortunately, we do have to draw a line somewhere. In all the gin joints in all of the world, we had to body slam in mine. So, oh, um, yes. So, do you think we've had a spike since the weekend? So, have people seen Fast Lane and been so inspired by that uh, breathtaking and uh, innovative pay per view? Well, uh, that they've decided to uh, to sign up. Look, I know you're being facetious. Um, in, 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 in reality yes there has been a big spike since the weekend but I know obviously we're transitioning into fast lane now um, we're pulling into that third third lane on the motorway so um, I watched the pay-per-view and to be honest it pretty much met my mediocre expectations yeah I agree. Um, yeah I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be a great pay-per-view I was expecting it to be a pay-per-view with very predictable surprise, uh, predictable outcomes, and I think in the predictions, I won the predictions league that we do for this pay per view, and I think I got the winner in every one right, and I don't consider that a particularly great honour because I thought they were all very obvious, apart from maybe the US title match. Um, so yeah, it, it, and some of the matches were good, some of the matches were not so good, but you just couldn't help a feeling that it was it was total filler for instance I don't know if you noticed but they actually showed a raw replay on a Smackdown pay-per-view yeah. using a pay-per-view to show uh, a replay of something on the TV show that uh, two, is, they two of them didn't they, they was the two did, well you had the the Roman Reigns there was some Roman Reigns stuff wasn't there and there was uh, the Kurt Angle Triple H Stefan Ronda stuff so it's not it's not good is it it's not I a think, good sign I think we went there a couple of times um it's not a great sign, but I mean, I described this. I think I said this last week on the podcast. I certainly said it to you before we um, pressed record. I said to, one of the first things I said to Paul was, "Did you enjoy that special edition of SmackDown they put on on Sunday?" Because mm. that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like an episode. Of, now, listen, that's not a massive criticism, and I think in this network era, if I can call it that, it's a little bit more forgivable. Um, there was an, always an argument how, do you, for those of you that um, don't remember the uh, In Your House pay-per-views, or even for those that don't realise how it worked in the States, because obviously our model uh, of having pay-per-views was very different over here in the UK because of Sky. Um, but essentially, if... I don't know what the prices were, but let me let me just freestyle and make it up. If uh, your, your general... Uh, bear in mind, there's only four or five pay-per-views per year back then. So if your general SummerSlam pay-per-view cost, say, $40 when they put on In Your House, which was two hours long and not necessarily billed as being so important, it was something like $25. Is that right, yeah. Paul? So, something along those yeah. sort of lines. What, so, whatever the numbers were, yeah. Whatever the, those numbers may not be accurate, but it's that sort of thing. It was sort of just a bit more than half price for about two-thirds of the show. Um, but they were also you know, very very much telling you this is not going to be a, an absolute you know, wonderful um, encounter. But there was plenty of good matches in those there. Uh, those early in your houses, but there was two arguments to it. One was you didn't have your expectations quite as high uh, because you weren't paying quite as much, so that's a positive. The negative was they were sort of telling you this is not as important as normal 
because the price was lower. And some people, you'll be surprised to hear that a lot of people you'll think will go off of what is the cheapest. A lot of people, it's a known theory within restaurants and stuff like that, particularly people uh, buying wine and things like that, will deliberately not buy the cheapest because they think they're getting something rubbish. So they would absolutely say, well, if it's cheaper than normal, therefore it's going to be inferior to normal, therefore I shall save my money and have more of the good thing rather than have intermittent uh, episodes of the bad thing. That's, that tends yep. to be how people think. Um, and there's a little bit of that in these kind of pay-per-views where you go, you look, you're going into uh, a fast lane or something similar to that. Maybe not the Elimination Chamber because the Elimination Chamber has built some cachet, you know, over the years as being a, a you know, a bigger pay-per-view. So I think had this been, you know, obviously being between Rumble and uh, WrestleMania is a, a thorny topic and one that Paul is happy to take on. Um, had this been, say, I know it'd be hard to work out how to do it, but mm. had this been Money in the Bank or TLC or something like that you know moved to a, a position after the Elimination Chamber and before Wrestlemania I think you'd have probably got a bit more of an uptake and people would have been a bit more excited for it because it's a concept you're familiar with but there is no theme to Fastlane it is named because of the road to Wrestlemania but there is no yep. Fastlane match there is no you know theme for those kind of pay-per-views not even the set it's just kind of Here's another night, so it just feels like a bit of a SmackDown show. So um, I don't feel so robbed because of that, because of the network, because we pay the same fee for the network. Watching Fastlane costs me the same as it what it does to watch an episode of um, WWE 24 or an episode of um, Camp WWE or an episode of Total Bellas or whatever else it may be that's uh, knocking around on the network. Uh, indeed, watching WrestleMania One, it all costs the same money, so. Um, you don't feel quite as robbed. I don't anyway. I don't have that kind of sense no. of, you know, this Not... company's ripping me off because, well, I'm going to pay the same amount of money each month anyway. So I tend to take the rough of the smooth. I realise I am not speaking for everybody, but I do think that's quite a rational way of thinking about the output. I think it's a very fair way of looking at it because you're right. We're not we're not paying what we always pay. And us in us in this country, we didn't have very long. We didn't have a long period where we were expected to pay top dollar for pay per view. Like the one our fans in the states who. You know, if you got a dog's dinner of a pay-per-view, it must have made you in- incessantly mad because you were paying silly money for a show, and if it didn't deliver, then it was, you know, you were being ripped off. But now, like you say, I would pay that nine ninety-nine a month to watch NXT. Simple as that. Mm. So anything else, if they can give me a good pay-per-view, all the archives, you know, I, what was I watching earlier this week? I was watching WrestleMania 14 again. I've watched a couple of other bits and bobs this week. Um, it's fantastic value, and you're all right. You can, doesn't stop you critiquing the show. If it's a bad, sh- a bad and it show, it won't. By the way, we'll be on to some critiques no, no, no. in just a second. A, a bad show is a bad show, but it it becomes less of a rip-off and more just one of those things. So, although you know, I'm not going to go right down this rabbit hole, but you could say that lends itself to wider scale apathy about the product. You know, maybe those ups and downs, those rages, and those moments of satisfaction lend itself to a more passionate and turned on fan base maybe the fact that it's we're in the network area era and everything's disposable and everything's the same price maybe leads us to a bit more resignation when something isn't quite as good as we want it to so we don't protest and therefore it doesn't get any better well that's a that's a that's a fair point so um is this a good time for me to kind of launch into some of my critiques of 
payback. They're less of payback and they're more of the general WWE. In fact, I don't even say WWE. The general SmackDown way of being at the moment, which I Go find is very, very hindering. I have two or three different strands of this. Please try and quell me and ask me questions and stop me from going too much into this if I, uh, <laughs> if, I if I go off because I am I am entitled uh, not entitled to but I am inclined to. Um, we often look at Roman Reigns, John Cena as being two examples of of splitting the fan base, turn him heel, some say, keep him babyface, others say. But the one thing I will say about um, about Roman and Cena, Cena in particular. Roman still has his moments where I'd like him to be a bit more consistent. But generally speaking, John Cena, from when he started this incarnation of Cena, that is when he sort of dropped the chain gang, sort of trying to be a white rapper version of Cena, and became the sort of um, the fruity pebbles, different colours, never give up. You know that you know what I mean, don't you? With that, yeah, that yeah. sort of Cena, with the Cena we've had for, for most of the time, quite frankly. Um, and even with the, uh, the chain gang guy, Cena is, has a real constitution. Um, he doesn't cheat um, he admits when he loses and he fights back uh, he stands by his um, you know his messages very much like Hogan and his and his demandments you know Ho- you know Cena has you know never give up and um, those, those kind of uh, things that he tries to live by now you might hate Cena because of his you know kiddie jokes and his merchandising shilling and his daft faced expressions and in your opinion his poor wrestling you also might love Cena because of his dedication, because of his heart, the message he sends to kids and families, his make-a-wish commitments, all that kind of thing. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Cena is inconsistent. I'm sure you can find me a couple of examples over the years, but you, you'd struggle. So he might get booed, he might get cheered, but I think he's quite consistent. Roman Reigns is a similar sort of thing. I have a real issue with the first four people, and it's not their fault, but the first four people that were featured on the payback uh, show in terms of the in-ring wrestlers, but actually including others as well. Um, and I'm talking about Shinsuke Nakamura. Actually, Shinsuke Nakamura is probably the, the most solid. But Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Rusev with Aiden English, Bobby Roode, and Randy Orton. Uh, Randy Orton and, and um, Shinsuke are probably the two that are the least to blame here. But what I'm getting at is the amount of different mannerisms, the amount of different things that each of them do that are both heel and babyface at the same time. For example, Aiden English walks onto a stage and singing obnoxiously slags off the town he's in. He then pauses during part of his Rusev Day thing to let the audience shout with him. Yep. Now, what are you? Are you someone that's trying to wind the crowd up or are you someone that wants them to join in with you? Now, actually more for the crowd because they've just been called idiots and then they join in with the guy that called them idiots. But I just think, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Am I supposed to be cheering for this guy? Well, clearly most of the fans are cheering for Rusev because they're making a lot of noise. The whole Rusev Day thing has taken off. It kind of feels like WWE are doing their thing of saying, well, we don't like it when you you know, you make your own minds up, so we're going to try and ruin it for you. Hence putting the number one contender and supposed 50% of a dream match at WrestleMania against perhaps the most popular man on his brand. Now, it might be a here-today-gone-tomorrow popularity, but it is a popularity nonetheless. Secondly, Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton contains two very similar kind of wrestlers in terms of, if you don't like them, your criticism will be that they're a bit samey. However, some people will like Bobby Roode because he's new and he's different and he's TNA, and some people will like 
Randy Orton because he's established and he's WWE, and some people will dislike each of them for exactly the same reasons as I've just given. But to have those two matches where you completely split the audience twice, and actually you split them so much in the second match that there was almost no crowd heat whatsoever for Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton, and I think you've got a problem, Brun. Um, do you want to interject at this point before I go on to my second phase of um, this? Do you know... I... I th- f- firstly, I think we predicted exactly this. We we we, we almost yeah, we predicted did. this last week, yeah. and I agree with everything you're saying. Like especially the um, well, it's just to split the two matches up. The Nakamura Rusev one, I think, is really poor in terms of booking because you're always going to split that audience. Um, they they're not stupid. They must know that Rusev is a face in waiting, and I do genuinely think I genuinely think that's where it's going. I do. But having him against Nakamura, just 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 so so short-sighted. If if anything, you should have flipped it around. Nakamura against Randy Orton, still a credible guy to get a clean win over, um, um, to to pump him along that road to WrestleMania, uh, and then have Bobby Roode defend the title against Rusev, um, and you could have Bobby again. You could have Bobby Roode defend successfully if you wanted, and then Orton can win it the next night or the the, the two nights later on SmackDown. You get the same outcome, but you get two much better matches for the pay per view. You don't hurt Nakamura's fan popularity even for one night. And I just think it's I just think it's so so short sighted. There's no better word for it. Agreed. My second issue, I think, is a more damaging one. Which is here's a question for you: Is Bobby Roode a babyface or a heel? Well, he's clearly a babyface. Okay. Probably shouldn't be. What is the biggest babyface aspect of Bobby Roode? Well, it's his music. It's his music, and it's by far and away his music. What is the biggest um, babyface aspect, even if he's not supposed to be a babyface, of Rusev? Rusev Day. Correct. What is the biggest babyface issue for aspect of Randy Orton? RKO. Correct. Now, that's the correct one, isn't it? What you want to do is pop for a finishing move. So if you're a babyface and you've got a fantastic finishing move, brilliant. That's what you're looking for. But that crowd was so absent through most of that match and they came alive for the finisher which was a great finish it was a really good finish of a match came out of nowhere I know that's a quote but it did come out of nowhere you know you know, I, I wasn't crazy about the fact that Rude just kind of jumped headlong into it it didn't look like he was doing a move but what they cleverly did was they did establish earlier in the match that Rude was going upstairs and he doesn't normally do that so some nice psychology and it went into a really nice finisher but I'm really worried for the things that are happening during the matches where the fans are cheering for Rusev Day and they're chanting for Glorious and these aren't facets of those characters really they're invented little things that will at some point fizzle out people will cheer for Stone Cold Steve Austin for raising the middle of finger drinking beer and stunning people from now until the end of time because it's the, it's the character and the things that the character did that were cool we're still having fun doing our little Rusev Day jokes but it's not going to last that's not a 20 year gimmick it's not a 20 month gimmick there's only I'm already sensing that people are fed up with a glorious song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope to God that when they do turn him heel, they get rid of the song, so they don't give him anything to cheer about. 
but it's just it's it's these individual little moments are not enough. There has to be more constitution. It's it's a little bit like a, a watching a tired old comedian that's run out of good jokes but still has a catchphrase. You know, when they go to the catchphrase, the audience go, "Oh, I love it when they say that." And there's TV shows as well that have run their race, and you go, "Oh, this is rubbish." And then they do a catchphrase, and everyone goes, "Ah, it's very funny." And you go, "Well, it's not though, is it? They're just going to the only thing that they can do." And I found that suddenly doing an RKO at the end, you went, "Oh, that's pretty cool." But actually, all the way through the match, it was. And I, I speak as a huge, and Paul will back this up. I am a huge Bobby Roode fan, and I'm a pretty big Randy Orton fan despite a lot of what other people have said over the years um, I'm a big fan of both of them and to tell me ten years ago, five years ago that I'd get to see Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton I would have been so excited but it kind of didn't mean anything and I'm, I don't mind Orton being US champion I'm not having a go at that um, but I didn't like so Jinder interferes at the end are they that's a heel thing Bobby cuts him off that's a babyface thing that's fine and then Bobby downs Orton well what was that for? Why, why did he help one and why did he help Orton and then and then crash into him? That yep. doesn't make any sense. And so all of the, I just thought it was a mess. I thought the first two matches were a mess. And you want crowds to go nuts for someone. And whether it's something you don't see coming, like a bit of a Braun Strowman, or it's something that you've manufactured over time, fine. But they don't know their characters. Rusev has got over because of his Rusev Day thing. That's not designed. Um. Uh, Rude has got over because of his song that's going to run out of time and frankly Nakamura and Orton one of one of them is being cheered because he's got a big indie following and the other one is being cheered because he's been around for a long time and has got a great finisher they've put nothing else into those two to make you cheer them and in fact Nakamura is coming across as a bit of a not a whiner but you know, I want to face AJ it's, there's nothing really to get behind him is he the way he's talking he's sort of a little bit sneery oh. when he's talking to AJ so are they trying to make Nakamura a heel? And I just, I think it's a mess because I don't mind if you want to cheer Cena or boo Cena, but Cena stays the same. And all of these other characters are just, they are, they have no constitution, and that's my big issue. I have a third point about the pay per view as well, which I'll come to. But go on, Paul, if you want to uh, address what I'm saying. Um, only, only in so much that with I see I see two distinct differences between the guys you talk about the old comedian who's only got the catchphrase left and I, I that is total that's Orton to a T for me if you barn him from doing the RKO now for good what's what's he got left really no, nothing, nothing. nothing 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 no fresh appeal I think Rusev has got a lot to offer I oh think I do as well for, I love Rusev for me, I know you do. I know. Ooh. I just think I just think it's important to note that yes, the Rusev day is the reason he's got over. But without that, I think he would have got over anyway. Um, I, I, and I, I agree. I, I agree with that. And but my I, point is, at the moment, he's not supposed to be over. He's not. Not as a babyface. He's meant to be a bit of a slightly laughable, but at times aggressive, you know, threat of a heel. He's yes. not supposed to be someone that you're laughing at who thinks it's his day every day. I, I suspect that if and this is always a massive if when it comes to WWE but if they do get behind him and show you know okay we're gonna it's his time now babyface turn let's see what you've got mate there is plenty there to sustain that push thankfully you yeah. could drop you could drop Rusev Day tomorrow and he would stay hot as a babyface no question about it he's just so likeable he's like you know it's a long time since I've seen a heel that has such 
and, and he was a bear in mind a very natural heel when he came into it a foreign brute very much a heel who has turned very organically potentially into such a great babyface character the guy's the epitome of the American dream basically he's come in he's worked hard he's got a great wife he's got a great role he's I just think he, he's a he's a, he's a babyface he's He's a, as an American hero as anybody on that roster, and I just and if they can get behind that without, and I'm not talking about wrapping him up in the stars and stripes, I'm just portraying him as an everyman who just happens to be an ass-kicking foreigner. Um, I think they can go an awful long way, and his personality is similar to Big E, in that these two clearly had bundles of personality off the show when they were doing things on Twitter and online. Um, and finally they're letting both of them show that personality on screen and lo and behold you're taking two one dimensional brutes and turn them into amazingly rounded characters I really think of all the people in the last two or three years in the WWE sneakily without us really noticing Big E has become the one with the biggest future I've seen so much from him this year when he gets those moments to shine individually when I just look at him and go you sir are not just a main eventer in the making but a megastar in the making just little things that you see from him either whether it be intensity that he shows now and again or personality or whatever it might be I just think he has got the lot to be huge I agree and I'm glad you've brought Big E up because that sort of brings me into my next point which is that um uh First of all, I want to say that I have no issue with the um, the way that the Usos uh, and the uh, New Day match went. I know some people were groaning at the interference. Um, I have a lot of groans about the whole Bludgeon Brother presentation, which I think is ludicrous. But I had no issue with them interfering in that match. Um, it was a means to an end. They were obviously trying to do something at WrestleMania. I've seen Usos versus New Day lots of times. It was fun while it lasted. No issues for me about that match being interrupted. Mm-hmm. my problem goes before the match um, they went to a clip of the New Day basically plugging John Cena to be the host of what was it the Nickelodeon Awards or something like that something like that yeah Okay. Um, I thought it was very funny um, for what it was meant to be I thought that if there were kids watching that pay-per-view they would have found it, they would have found it humorous um, the New Day were on good form their comic timing is funny obviously anyone getting guns this kind of it's not really funny unless you're about nine but that wasn't you know that was who it was being aimed at we are that was obviously an advert for kids and for families because it was trying to get you to watch a kids award so if you're you know if you're 29 years old and you're going oh this is so immature then it wasn't aimed at you mate that's so you can go you could have gone and got a beer while that was going on but for what it was i thought new day did it really nicely would you agree with me yep agreed right so why do i hate it so much well, quite clearly because it was massively out of contest in front of an important match. 90 seconds after getting gunged and yucking it up and being ha-ha-ha-ha New Day, which they're incredibly good at, we then went to this outstanding video package of the New Day-Uso rivalry to watch a match with two teams that have built up a dislike but a respect for each other. It showed moments of excellence on the mic not just from the Usos but it showed one of those moments where Big E flipped the switch yep. and his eyes got intense and he snarled at them and he had to go back we talked about it on last week's podcast and it was a great promo 
and that's all very well but just a minute before you showed the New Day messing around and getting gunged and totally and utterly undercutting what they were there to do that night and I'm someone that can often forgive these things I will like some people complain that certain wrestlers will tweet out of character you know to like a real life tweet and then later on you know we'll do an in character tweet I can live with that I can sort of when I'm not watching wrestling live I can sort of pull myself out of it and so when quote Rusev tweets actually that's not a good example because he does try and stay in character but when say John Cena okay when John Cena tweets I don't necessarily read that as being John Cena the television character I read it as John Cena the human being again perhaps that's a bad example because it's someone with you know a different name to, you know the same name as his, as his character but my point is to me on Twitter it's a different the rules are different I know some people get really upset with someone that you know will you know look at the fourth wall and then try and be in character and, and think you can't have your cake and eat it well I'm not so bothered about that and I, I think we're grown ups and we can understand it for the most part but when I look at the actual show itself I want that self-contained show to be representing at no point is there a moment in Saving Private Ryan where Tom Hanks is Forrest Gump for five minutes he's constantly his character isn't he in that film yeah of course as yeah. he's in all of his films there's no reason at any point in any show that is meant to be, you know, and at no point do you watch, you know, say a football match where there's an interview pre-match with Jose Mourinho, who laughingly jokes to the camera and says, I don't really care about football. And then the next <laughs> minute goes, I really want to beat Liverpool this weekend. You don't go, oh, 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 two minutes ago, Jose, you said you didn't care. No, but now you do care. And it's just, well, because that's real and wrestling isn't. And, you know, at least it's one script and one isn't. But, I hate it. It just it took me totally out of it, and it's like, well, what characters are they this week? Are they the? F- and by the way, you can be both. I have no issue with the fact that you can be fun and you can be serious. But at the moment, they're serious, and they should be getting ready. You should be building the atmosphere, you know, for the, the a big game, a big match. You're saying this is a chance to get to WrestleMania. It's their biggest opponents. It's the thing they cherish the most, and you just wouldn't in any other sport go away and do a flippant silly build up like that you'd be saying they're training hard they're in the zone after the match you could maybe do one or you could have said or maybe even they could have said they could have cut back to Michael Cole not Michael Cole they could have cut back to Tom Phillips and had Tom Phillips say well you know that's, that skit was recorded a few weeks ago and that was before the new day got serious even a line like that just an interstitial or more to the point play it at a different time of the night but I find that lazy and I find it really against the basics of what makes wrestling and what makes people want to buy into characters and again so I think there was three matches if you include that one where the people didn't know who to cheer for and they just didn't know how to get into it and I think that's massively hurting some great talents because I think every single one of the New Day of the Usos of Nakamura of Orton of Rude of Rusev and of Aiden English are talented individuals and I think they're being let down yep I agree and I just think you know we could do a whole podcast we could do a whole series of podcasts on this but ultimately there's no care taken by by WWE most characters now are sent out to sink or swim they are well they're content their content and there's a few guys a few tent poles that matter that will be invested in and the rest are just there to fill time um and be and and be 
stay they've got to stay in their lane to coin a phrase it's been used quite a lot this year um they can stay in their lane they're going to do what their character traits are they're very there's there's no real development in them they are caricatures and they react as such and they're told to react as such and because of that there's nothing you you can't really get you can't really get anybody breaking out very often because there's there's nothing there's nothing to there's no there's no progression the new day example is fantastic because it just jars so much but i suppose you could go through every show and see the same sort of thing if you were being critical you know a good example i, I think it works with him personally just about but braun Strowman is another good example of having him you know be the monster and then the next thing you know he's chasing elves around new york city at, at christmas time dressing up now like i say i happen to think that one works but it shouldn't do and they've got no problem with going out and putting Braun in that position when he at the time he was playing a vicious monster heel on TV. It's just, it, I just the problem is it's falling on deaf ears and nobody really cares. Um, and I don't think it'll ever change under the current regime. Or should I say current business model, sorry, should well, I say. things are often subtly changing here and there, but I, my worry is that, you know, listen... It's very easy for me to say this. I'm I'm from a different sort of background, and it's also easy. Very, I can understand people sitting listening to this now, wherever they are, driving into work, saying, "What do you know, mate? How are you? How are you saying you know better than those within WWE?" Well, I'm not saying I know better, and I'm not saying that um, maybe I would understand it differently if I was looking at it from the inside. I do, however, you know, have a, a range of knowledge on the on the topic, and I understand how you know characterization of television characters work and and various other matters and I have studied wrestling for a very very long time and I have seen what is successful and what isn't mm-hmm. and I worry that there are a lot of people that haven't been they haven't been educated under wrestling we're starting to get into the first sort of era where the people that are teaching the next generation are, are no longer wrestlers it's almost like I'm trying to I'm trying to work out a good analogy but right for for example you know, when you are taught a language at school, you are generally taught by someone who, for the, for for them, it, it is their second language. So you will have an Englishman teaching you French when you're at school, and that's fine. There's only a certain amount of teachers to go round, and they, I'm sure, are very fluent. But you will learn better French from a Frenchman than you will from an Englishman who can speak French. And I start to worry that there are so few wrestling people in WWE now. Obviously, you've got your agents and stuff like that. But you go Vince, Triple H and Steph. And then after that, you start to go, well, who are the other wrestling people that are educating some people? You know, it's you're looking at people that have been writers for a long time. They're educating the next form of writers. But they're learning their own world. They're not necessarily learning the, I would say, the real world. But what they will start pointing at WWE examples, which are not necessarily wrestling examples. Because the wrestling world... It's a hell of a lot bigger than just WWE. You've only got to go to somewhere like New Japan or you go to somewhere like Jim Crockett or to Mid-South or, or whatever. There are lots of examples of the simplest things working. Now, okay, they worked in 1979. That doesn't mean they're going to work in 2018. But a lot of things will. And that is my, my concern is because if you, if you just look on the red brand, there are so many good examples of how things work and how basic they've kept it and how true they've stuck to certain characters... And that is why you get a Braun Strowman. Because they have been, as you've often said, mate, they have been so true to Braun from the start, haven't they? 
and there are some aspects that I find laughable about him and there are some aspects that mean it's not my cup of tea but he is the single wrestler right now that when he walks out onto the stage people go nuts for mm-hmm. they have they do it to an extent for AJ and they do it to an extent for Nakamura and they do it for an extent to, for Cena and for Reigns and for Lesnar and for Asuka and for Ronda Rousey and for Triple H and for loads of people but Braun is the one where everyone just goes uh oh something big's happening every time he comes out and that's because they have been utterly consistent with him and where they have gone to little bits of humour um, like his little bits on the Mixed Match Challenge or whatever with um, Alexa Bliss it's portraying him as, as an intelligent guy that is able to mix the humour with his seriousness as opposed to suddenly not caring about something and then suddenly caring again yep. and they, haven't put, they haven't built the hole in him yet therefore his reactions are enormous and unfortunately because Bobby Roode is a song and is not anything else the, the people are never going to get behind him as a, a baby faced US champion and if they've taken the belt off of him because he's not getting the reactions well I don't think that's his fault I think he's either miscast or he's not being given the backup yep agreed completely I think there's it's probably the best roster they've ever had in terms of pure talent and given the right breaks and the right support network and the right opportunities we we should have a lot more stars than we've got now a lot more um, the one that springs to my mind straight away and there's, there's probably a dozen or more but Kevin Owens Kevin Owens was a can't miss project that missed mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't his own fault he was phenomenal they brought him in in a fantastic way with that series with Cena but then just completely dropped the ball and he's had spikes and good points ever since and he's performed really well with everything he's been done but ultimately uh, he's not reached anywhere near his potential and I I fully blame the booking company for that and listen the, the machine that is a wrestling company is is all powerful you know there's so many great examples in the past where a great booker or a good writing team can turn you to quite to, to steal a phrase turn chicken shit into chicken salad um, unfortunately on occasion now we're seeing the opposite and that just doesn't go for WWE that goes for North American wrestling as a whole um, and I think that they there's so much power given to the people who write the show that with the right you know, the right dedication they can really they can get anybody over can't they given the right circumstances it's just that they choose not to yep I agree with that as well and um, I think uh, I think what we've ended up doing there is turning a, a rather mediocre uh, pay-per-view into a couple of interesting discussion points we always try and make the point on here listen our little tagline is it's wrestling enjoy it and if you listen to the last half an hour it might sound like what we're doing is, um, is finding holes and, and picking fault but actually A it's because we care and B, it's because we want to have those really special moments where we can, you know, we can gather around wherever we are watching WrestleMania, and have those moments which are so exciting. Yeah. Um, and they tend to come because of people investing in character. So when you have a major moment at this year's WrestleMania, I almost guarantee you that it'll be something to do with Cena and Undertaker. It'll be something to do with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. It'll be something to do with AJ and Nakamura. It'll be something to do with. Um, Braun Strowman and whoever Braun Strowman is with 
it won't be any number of other matches between people that are just multi-man matches for the sake of things because they've just not been able to put the time and effort um, into uh, and unless they can't do everybody you can't have you know 40 different can't miss projects that are all main eventers that are all perfect it Quite. doesn't work that way but um, there are certain times where you go well a little bit more care is needed and speaking of those special moments at Wrestlemania um, this might sound the most basic question we've ever asked but you always get a different set uh, of responses and it's always interesting to see what you get as a uh, as a quick um, reflection of, uh, of our audience and so just before we came on air in fact let me just after on air where Paul went to uh, our Facebook page and simply well I say simply but we were talking about our Wrestlemania favourites and we said what is your favourite ever Wrestlemania match now there have been something like 300 odd matches I think over the, uh, the history of Wrestlemania um, they tend to be the same ones that come up as people's favourites but it's always nice to see um, some vaguely different ones as well and actually just going through here Paul left a little quick scan through our responses we've had you know, 25 responses or so in the first uh, hour of this which is uh, pretty cool and you know a lot of these responses are, are quite varied so before we go on to what the people are saying you know, what would you say is A, the first match or two that come to your head has been your favourite Mania matches and secondly what would you expect the people to say we, we often talk about our sheep quiz here at on Wrestling um, what would you expect if you were to say what would be like the top three of what people will say what would you say they would go for okay well let's start with that let's go let's go on the sheep route so first of all so yeah if i was going with the top three of what people would say uh, would go for number one i would say that people would go for um sean michaels against the undertaker at wrestlemania 25 i think that'd be the obvious choice that's the one that people tend to gravitate towards the other one um bret hart against uh, stone cold steve austin from wrestlemania 13 um, and probably if I was going with a third that I would expect people to say I would probably look at the TLC match from Wrestlemania 17 that tends to get a lot of love um, and of those and, and to ask you my opinion I think I would probably say if I, if, with a gun to my head I had to pick one Wrestlemania match as my favourite it would probably be Austin Hart um, just for how great it was as a match how dramatic it was how it symbolised everything that was right with the Attitude Era how historic it was you know remember that was the moment they created the biggest baby face in wrestling history um, I think it's I think it's the match at Wrestlemania um, there's a few others I like I t I'm a bit of a a Wrestlemania hipster because whenever I think of other good matches I one of my very favourite matches at Wrestlemania ever um, or two actually from the same event neither of which are anywhere near bad matches they're both fantastic matches but they're probably not objectively they're not amongst the top few but I love those two matches from Wrestlemania 8 um, so Sid against Hogan um, and uh, Owen Hart against Skip no um, Bret Hart against Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental title I think is an um, amazingly good match with a fantastic build up um, Babyface against Babyface which never normally managed to get heat but then again we're talking about Bret Hart and Roddy Piper um, and then the second one from that show, Randy Savage against Ric Flair. Both of these matches, what they have in common, uh, apart from having two excellent performers in them, um, are they're built well on both personal issues and the title belt. So they're double layered. And it, they both, in both circumstances, the build 
makes the match better because there is that animosity and that built-in storyline the matches excel because of it much more so than they would if they were just straight up title matches so yeah they're I, I, in fact I would probably say they're my, my top three first of all I gotta tell you how much I love your family <laughs> only one piece of baloney but that's alright <laughs> Great pro. I mean, just <laughs> amazing, amazing. Piper at his absolute best, being funny, being antagonistic. Brett, who couldn't talk for Toffee back then, um, turned into Brett will always knock himself, you know, for his promo ability. Towards the end of his career, '97 or so, especially, Brett's amongst the best ever. At that point, um, it was never the most natural thing to him, but when he came to his, you know, the character that he really cared about, then goodness me, Brett was a hell of a talker. Yep. But back in 92 or so as we are here for WrestleMania 8 he wasn't so good when he was with the Hart Foundation you know the Anvil did a lot of the uh, a lot of the spade work here so Brett is way behind Piper but he does the right thing he's got the glasses on he's looking he's, you know he's got the steely look and then he lets Piper do his thing and he cuts him off you know just as much as any, I mean if they hadn't have had a they didn't have a, a feud a long running feud that this was settling um, they had a, a situation where Brett lost the title to the Mountie Piper won it off the Mountie and then you set up a match. That was how it got. That was how you got to that point. Mm. But you know, even just that promo did something for for that match itself. Um, and you're quite right. The the psychology of the match, because it was a babyface match, which just never happened. Nope. Um. Be interesting to find. However many. Would there be any examples of those of a babyface matchup with the WrestleManias before that? Yeah. Apart from uh, Warrior Hogan. Ah, right. Okay. You took the words out of my mouth then. Um. The, None that spring to mind immediately would. No, no. I'm, I, I I'm sure people will prove us wrong, but I can't think of anything other than but, Warrior Hogan. But you know, I mean, and then that that is an exception because that is, you know, the two biggest stars in the world by miles at that point, um, coming together. I mean, as as, as bigger stars as Brett, you know, as Brett would be, as Piper had been, you know, they're a little bit of a crossover. This was probably the crossover period, wasn't it? Piper was just on his way down here Brett's just on his way up so this is about where they crossed absolutely it was um, it was a very definite passing of the torch it was and it was done excellently and I liked I don't I'm good with babyface matches when they really tear into each other and then afterwards there's a bit of respect they don't have to like one another well actually in this case they sort of walked arm in arm didn't they back out of the uh, back to the back but um, I, I, I like the the post-match handshake between the, the babyfaces as if to say okay I might not like what's just happened, but I'm prepared to say that you were the better man. And you know, I like that Brett sort of outthought um, Piper a couple of times. Because wasn't it? Didn't I might have been this was the first time, but doesn't Brett do a, a spot in that match where he's 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 feigning an injury, and Piper sort of hesitates and Brett rolls him up. And there's been other matches where you've seen Brett do that. Most famously, probably against Diesel when he won the title I think, back. I think if I remember right now, and to be fair, I haven't watched this match for about two or three years, but I think it's where Piper is um, deciding within himself whether to clock him with the bell, clock Brett with yeah. the bell or not. What the hell? Ring the bell. Um, and then he decides not to and tosses it away, and that gives Brett the time to recover, and he rolls him up. I think, I think that's right. I think that's it's right. Something in it. I, yeah. I, I, I have in my mind that there's a Brett match where. Heenan is shouting, he's gold-bricking. I can't remember, I can't remember that. I have the word gold-bricking in my mind about, you know, a a match. He's got meaning, I I mean, just the the, the context I read into meaning, he's faking it. 
you know, he's, he's playing possum is another expression that I learned via possum. wrestling. Yes, yes. But he's gold bricking, and I, I might, that might be a uh, a term I had in another match, but I'm sure it's a Brett match somewhere. Anyway, okay. So again, some, someone will be able to help me out. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the fact that you've picked up on the uh, the Brett Piper match, and uh, um, I'm just delving into some of our other uh, responses. Um, Dean comes in with uh, quite a few here. Dean. Uh, who's uh we uh know very well and he says um Austin versus Rock, Brett versus Austin, Taker versus Sean, Brett versus Owen, Hogan versus Rock first TLC. And I think all of those are uh, are fairly standard, not disagreeing with him and not uh, <laughs> um no I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm really not having a dig. No, we, I, just know, really I, fa- I just know what you what the other matches that you've got. Well okay, yes yeah, so, but the other one he says and then he says and actually this is a good question. I think we should probably do this question for next week. Uh he says I really enjoyed Macho Man versus Crash and he means Crash That'd be, and I'll blame his uh, phone for that one rather than uh, his uh, he won't mean Crash Holly I really enjoyed Macho Man versus Crush in a street fight when I was younger well um, I w- that would be a fascinating question what would what would the young version of you have loved you know name it give us a Wrestlemania match where you would now you'd go Ugh. but when you were a kid you went oh I love that match because you were so into the concept or you were so into the you know the uh, the wrestlers. I bet a lot of people say um, Jake versus the model blindfold match. Well, just to be a pet, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, by the way, I, I think that's a good match anyway. But I'm saying that I bet a lot of people like that as a kid. Just to be a pet pedant, Rob and Dean, uh, Chuck Norris didn't fight Bruce Lee in Way of the Dragon. He fought him in Enter the Dragon, um, and Macho Man Randy Savage against Crush was a false count anywhere match rather than a street fight. Um, oh, no, see, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Uh, no, it wasn't, Paul. Um, I don't know what they billed it as, but what it was was a Texas death match. Um, because a street, uh, false count anywhere match is where the fall counts anywhere. A Texas death match is when you have the fall and then you've got to get back to the ring and then there's a countdown. But it was billed as a false count anywhere match doesn't matter because that's not what it was you can bill it, it, it what you like if you go to a restaurant and you bill and you bill chicken and steak it's still chicken well it's, I'm it, just I'm it, going it, it wasn't a street fight it was not a street <laughs> fight but, but it I'm, also was not a false cat anyway match, I'm, even if that is what they build it as I'm just teasing anyway but yes um, it's a really interesting point actually because you, you thought you, you, your taste as a child are very very different aren't they to um to what they are as an adult I would probably say Hogan Hogan uh, Warrior I know that is a very good match anyway but I can't really imagine something much better for a child of that era than those two well do you know what that would depend on who you're a fan of because I bet if you're a Hulk Hogan fan that's a very distressing sad memory for uh, you true fair point well, that's, you, that's the first time that the immortal Hulk Hogan was really beaten by someone and you were probably in masses of tears I still there's still certain you know, being a huge Bret Hart fan, there are still certain matches I struggle to watch because I'm annoyed that he lost. <laughs> and I sit here and go, you are knocking on 34 years old, you moron, and you're getting annoyed. But I get annoyed with the Iron Man match. What? No one told No one told Bret there was going to be overtime. If it's a draw, the winner, winner, the champion retains if it's a draw. Why am I annoyed? It's a scripted contest. <laughs> and I was bloody 12 when that happened as well. I knew I did. I, was, I wasn't even a believer in it being real. And I'm still annoyed. I'm still annoyed that the, Undert- the Undertaker was getting a visual fall over him at the Royal Rumble before Diesel pulled him out. Why am I annoyed at these things? Get over it, man. But I still am. <laughs> so I can understand anyone saying, oh, I don't like that Hogan Warrior match if they're a big Hogan fan. And it probably upset them that, uh, that Hulk was losing. Um, let's have a little look at what else some people have said. Um, 
Uh, Richard Parr, who was a guest on the show, uh, was it last week? It was as recent as that. Um, Richard says, Taker versus HBK, WrestleMania 25. Uh, that's the one I would tend to agree with him. If you heard the podcast last week, uh, you'll know that uh, both me and uh, Richard were, uh, both Richard and I, I should say, um, were at that um, uh, pay-per-view. Uh, also, Martin Hart, um, <laughs> I, I rather like this, he says, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle, Battle of the Best. Now, yeah, I'm there we so go. with him there. I love that match. Yeah, fantastic. One of my favourite ever matches. Um, you'll tell me what WrestleMania that is. Is it 21? I'm 21. My WrestleMania. 21 it is. I think that is my favourite WrestleMania. It's right up there with my favourite Manias. I love WrestleMania 21. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and that match in particular. Um, but what I really love about Martin's response on Facebook is he says, Shawn Michaels v. Kurt Angle, Battle of the Best. And then he responds to his own message by saying, in fact, I'll watch that now. And I think that's, what a brilliant message for what the network is like. Can you remember when you were a kid and you'd think about certain matches, and unless you had it on VHS, you know, you would think about it, wouldn't you, for you know years and years and years and years. Yep. And then finally you'd watch it again. Now we can literally just go, ah, let's put a match on, shall we? That's uh, amazing. Cool. Amazing. And and nice that we jogged his memory into watching that because what a phenomenal match. He'll he'll go to bed a happy man after watching that match. So. And I'll tell you what, he'll wake up in the morning a very tired one because he'll end up watching the whole of WrestleMania 21, <laughs> going to bed about 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, being late for work. Uh, Johnny Batty says, off the top of my head, HP, uh, sorry, Triple H versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 28, Hell in the Cell, with Shawn Michaels, a special guest referee. Great in-ring storytelling, and he's absolutely spot on. Um, that is a uh, uh, one of those matches that I think is not for everyone. That's, not everyone would have liked that one. Some people are down on Triple H. Some people thought it was a bit slow. But um, it's a match that I, I loved. I thought that was the best of the, uh, of the Triple H Undertaker matches that they did. I thought that was their best one. Um, yes, I would. I would. I think I'd probably agree with that. Just. Uh, Dave Woolen says TLC two was pretty special. Um, I find that those TLC matches are a little bit amalgamated in my mind. So we had. The triple ladder was the first one he did at WrestleMania, wasn't it? That's right. So it was the ladder, the triple ladder match at WrestleMania 16, um, which became a TLC. Uh, which sorry, the, the next match in their series was TLC at, at SummerSlam 2000. SummerSlam. Yeah. Yep. And then TLC two at WrestleMania 17. Yeah. So yeah, I, that I could probably just about work out, but I, I would struggle to tell you sort of spot for spot which match was which. It kind of all, you know. I know, I know what you mean. Didn't I was thinking this just the other day? I was pulling into Morrison's car park. Lord only knows why this popped into my head. But didn't Edge and Christian win all three of those? Uh, I think they probably did. How odd is that? Oh no, no, no. Uh, oh, hang on. Triple. Yeah, they won the triple ladder match. They won the. I think they did win all three actually. They did. I'm sure. I think you're right. What they didn't win, which was the sort of unforgot, which is the sort of sometimes forgotten sort of like a prequel, I suppose, if you want, um, was that the end of the Terry Invitational Tournament between the Hardys and Edge and Christian ended in, I think, the first ever tag team ladder match. That's right. Cool. Yeah. And it was an absolute doozy. And I watched it not that long ago in my... Amazing um, match. In my move through watching all of the Raws and all of the pay-per-views um, since WWE's, um, you know... Uh, inception of Raw in 1993, and I think I've just I'm, I'm I haven't I haven't been doing that for a few months, but uh, when I was last doing it, I was into the year 2000, and 
I'd not long gone through the uh, uh, the Terry Invitational Tournament in late 1999, and that is a very, very special match. But not only is it very good, the way they treated it afterwards. They had the four men come down the night after on Raw, all banged up and shook each other's hands, and JR talked about it in the most glowing of terms. It is a real example of when a match is finished, that doesn't mean that's the end of everything. You can treat it with respect. Totally. You can continue to sell it after the event. They did a brilliant job with that. And, and by the way, they did a wonderful job of that at the um, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I don't know if we mentioned that or not, but there were some great moments and great close-ups of people looking really gutted that they didn't win. And It was, wasn't it? Sitting really on the set. apron and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, though, that um, I, I distinctly remember what you're talking about, the aftermath of that No Mercy ladder match. And they did exactly the same thing recently with New Day and the Usos um, after their Hell in a Cell match. And it worked just as well then. It was perfect. Turned the Usos' face, elevated both teams in my mind, um, and really sold the match. So um, when you've got a brutal series like those two teams had nearly 20 years apart, oh, Christ, that makes me feel old, um, then it's a great touch to end it and really, really makes a difference. Uh, another vote for the Triple H versus Taker match is from Jazz Hyde, is a name I recognise from our sheet quiz. Hello, Jazz. Uh, Adam Trimble says Austin v Rock at WrestleMania 15. I've never been so happy to see someone win a match. They say. Um, now I'm one of those f- fools, possibly that uh, has never been so sold on Austin Rock. Um, oh really? I enjoyed I enjoyed the feuds way more than I enjoyed the matches. Interesting. And Interesting. I, just, I don't think any of their three WrestleMania matches are anywhere near the top of my list of. I'm not saying they're bad matches. I'm not slagging them, but I particularly don't like the WrestleMania 17 one because I, I, I dislike the ending so much. Um, and I think the 15 one is kind of similar. There's two. There's that little run of WrestleManias where you had to have Vince swinging a chair at something. That's before right. You a, That's before right. you can have a champion, and it was, you know. I think you're right. I don't like being that that idiot purist guy that moans, oh, well, it's not a clean finish, or it's not a good match. I don't believe in that. You heard me talking earlier on about the New Day and um, and the Usos, and you know, it didn't bother me that there was interference in it. But some matches, you just kind of feel that, wish they'd leave it be. And 17 makes sense if you're going to t- turn someone. I don't think they should have turned him, but if you're going to do that, it kind of makes sense. But I'm not sure whether you needed him around at the 15 one. You could have just had Austin win, and I just think... Uh, yeah. I think it was a different sort of match but, uh, but listen I understand why people would, would pick that one because that for a lot of people you know Wrestlemania 15 that is Wrestlemania in 1999 one of the hottest years in the company's history two of the hottest ever you know wrestlers that is the Hogan Warrior equivalent isn't it for the oh, next yeah. half generation it, it would have been a lot of people's first Wrestlemania um, because of just how hot the product got around then late 98 early 99 so I feel very sorry for anyone whose first Wrestlemania was Wrestlemania 2000 um, let me apologise on behalf of humanity um, for that um, but yeah 99 would have been the first I happen to think of the three at Wrestlemania I I like them a lot more than you I sense I probably wouldn't put any of them in my top 10 but the one at Wrestlemania 17 would be shaving it Um I would say the one at WrestleMania 15, the first one they fought in the three in the trilogy, was probably the weakest of the three. Good match, but not much more. Like you say, it was all a bit of a schmoz. It was all there to do the wider angle with the big show and Mankind and Vince McMahon. Um, I think 17 was fantastic, brilliant match. Um, people forget that that match had a worse than dreadful build. 
Rock only won the title at, um, at No Way Out a couple, um, about five weeks before, and then they started the build based around Rock having Deborah as his manager as some yeah. weird little sober thing. And it was only literally in the last two weeks, maybe even the last sort of week, I can't remember where they just pivoted and just went, Do you know what? This is star versus star. Let's go with that. Um, I think it was the SmackDown before Mania. I might be wrong. But it was around about the SmackDown before Mania. They did a sit down in the locker room. Yep. With JR in between them. And they took Deborah out of it, didn't they? A masterpiece. Brilliant. It is. Oh, it's so good. How how to build a match in one segment. I remember there's a line really early on. The Rock says something. And Austin says to him, you might want to take the bass out of your voice. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, and, and the rock goes, well, I might not. And I, I just remember going, oh, I like this. It was it was just such a, a real two... I, I come back to this again and again, and I don't have time to go on too much of a sidebar today. I've done too much of it. But way... I've said it lots and lots of times, and we don't have it enough now, of sitting there watching a person or two people on TV and going, I'd like to be like that guy. We talked about it when we had Nick Aldis on the podcast a few weeks ago. If you haven't heard that one, please go back and listen to where when we had Nick on as a guest about three or four weeks ago. It was absolutely excellent, very fascinating. You may or may not agree with a lot of his views on sports entertainment slash wrestling slash you know the uh, the, the genre that we are in, um, but you will undoubtedly find it prov- um, you know provoking, um, uh, provocative I should say, because it was just. Uh, an interesting take and certainly one of the things that we came out of that was that you should aspire to be the people that you are on TV you should not be thinking I want someone like me to do well you should be better thinking I would like to better myself to be like that person and I think you watched Austin or Rock and you could you could fall for one or the other but you know you would want to be that cool eyebrow raising never flapped good looking film star wannabe or you could want to be that goatee you know bald knee strapped up ass kicking son of a bitch and it's like but you know deep down tell me that you don't want to be one of those two guys I'd rather be Austin of those two some people would rather be Rock others would don't mind being either but don't tell me you don't want to be one of those two guys in that seat at that moment tough badass respected good looking rich famous but hard-working, honest, and respectable people. That is a proper, proper set of baby faces, if you ask me. Mate, very well said. Absolutely Thank well. You know, very well said. It's um, it was. That's why they, well, there's no there's no secret as to why they were so bloody popular, is there? Back then. Um, but yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry to, to take us back on track. Um, but yeah, I thought that one, I thought that was an excellent match. Um, and I and I loved their WrestleMania 19 match and WrestleMania 19 probably being my favorite of all time. My, no, not probably hands down my favorite WrestleMania of all time. Um, and those guys having that match there, especially with the benefit of hindsight, it being Austin's last match was just absolutely magical. That's actually in the thing that's probably my favorite of the three. Is WrestleMania 19 the one with Nathan Jones on? Uh, well, he never fought a match, but yes, he, he was there. <laughs> Nathan Jones did not fight on WrestleMania 19. No, he but did, you he did. You did have. He, he, he threw a spin kick and missed by a he, by a week. Did. You did also have yeah. the Miller Lite girls. You had Limp Biscuit, and you had John Cena cutting a promo on a cardboard cutout. And despite all of that, it's still the greatest WrestleMania of all time. So how the hell good must the rest of the card have been, eh? IPO in Paul's opinion. <laughs> um, 
But uh, certainly a couple of topics for future weeks. What's your favourite WrestleMania and why? And uh, what's your favourite match as a kid and why? Not, again, not groundbreaking questions, but sometimes it's uh, fun to do the simple things and then see where we go. And um, a few more responses, um, a lot of which involve uh, Shawn Michaels, which is hardly surprising. And um, we'll just do one without him uh, quickly, which is um, Edge versus Undertaker, uh, which is uh, sent to us by uh, Louis Hutley. Thank you for that, Louis. Um, or perhaps Louis. I beg, do beg your pardon if I'm uh, saying it wrong. It'll be one of the two. Um, but uh, Louis bringing that one up I always think that Undertaker matches um, are matches that kind of work uh, in isolation a lot of the time apart from these matches with, with Sean um, and obviously people have brought that one up with Triple H I think a lot of Undertaker, ma- Undertaker matches are sort of at the time because you're you're thinking about whether or not he would lose his streak um, and once you know the outcome of that I think sometimes you'll go back and watch a match like Brett versus Owen you know, for the pure, you know, beauty of it, or you'll go back and watch a, a match like Austin Rock to remember how you felt. But I'm not certain that Undertaker matches always hold up as well. Um, not all of them, anyway. So it's interesting that he brings up that Edge one because that's one that I would look at and go, "Well, it's a really good match." And if I watch it back, I would go, "Yeah, great performance by the two. But it's not one I would go back to time and again to watch because I probably at the time felt, "Well, I don't buy Edge winning," and mm. and he didn't. Do you no. know what I'm saying? But no. I'm certainly not discrediting his uh, his opinion because it's uh, it is really an excellent match. No, I agree. And mo- most matches do benefit from having an uncertain outcome, but not all. Um, certainly, the two I went to regard with the um, the ones at WrestleMania eight, where Bret Hart and Randy Savage won the titles. I don't think either of those outcomes were under were in any doubt. Um, so I don't think it necessarily matters. But yeah, of course, anything that can add to the drama is a, is a help. Indeed. Um, going down the uh, list, this one is a Lewis, I think. Lewis Brown uh, says Angle versus HBK. Another vote for that one. Um, oh no, I skipped my uh, Reese Saunders. He says I've got three. Uh, I don't think we asked for three, Reese. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, he asked, he's got three, and I'm actually I'm pleased he's put three because I think they are all interesting talking points. Um, he firstly says HBK versus Ric Flair. Um, that is a match which is all about emotion. Um, it's a great match. I'm not saying it's not a good, well-worked wrestling match, but once again, if you just picked up two blokes you'd never seen before and had that match, you'd go, yeah, that's okay, but it'd be no better than okay. The reason it's so good is because of the the story that was told about Ric Flair throughout his career, throughout the last couple of months of his career, throughout that entire weekend, and then in Sean's facial expression, and, and a very good super kick at the end. Um... You know, thoughts on that one, Paul. In you know, in isolation, but also the fact that someone would pick it as a as a favourite WrestleMania ma- match to me suggests that they're probably, if you pulled them and said, "Who's your favourite wrestler ever?" They'd probably say Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels. Probably, probably would. Um, I think it's perfectly valid. Uh, there's a lot that goes into making up a good match, and I would I would be the first person to argue that it's the emotion and the drama in that match rather than the athleticism. Um, otherwise there'd be multiple match of the year contenders going up up in every indie show up and down the country um, I, and I think you know those those two had the advantage of having such a lot of investment in their emotional journeys throughout the years that it was easy for them to generate that emotion in that match or easier because of because of what they'd earned but so subsequently to that you didn't have to put such a an in-ring classic on to make it a phenomenal match very similar in thought process to the um, Wrestlemania 18 match between Rock and Hogan 
you make that match uh, you make that match I don't know um, Matt Morgan against um, you know I'm just pulling a, pull a name out of thin air Kenzo Suzuki there you go and go for it move for move exactly the same um, it's, it's, it's a terrible match but because of what it was and what was invested in it it was one of the best of all time correct and um, I think I think um, Sean versus Rick is a, a much better match than uh, you know, move for move. If you oh, look at it that undoubtedly, way, right? undoubtedly, it's a much better match than uh, than Rock Hogan. But uh, you're right in the sense that it's not important what you know. Uh, you know, Takamichinoku versus the Great Sasuke is probably a better match than both of them. Yeah. Um, but no, but no one you know cared two hoots today. Um, uh, his second one, he says, is an even better example of that. He says Vince versus Shane. Oh, great. Brilliant. Now I would say that Vince versus Shane is one of the greatest matches ever between two people that were not. You know, suited to what they were doing. You could argue that Shane is a good athlete. You could argue that Vince takes a hell of an ass kicking for someone that's in his fifties at that point. Um, but what I will say is, despite anyone going, "Oh, it's the McMahon's booking about themselves," "Oh, it's this," go back and watch it. And every little bit of it, that audience. And bear in mind, you're talking what, seventy, eighty thousand in Houston for that WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, in the Astrodome, um, one of the early. Uh, domes. I know there were domes in the very, very early days of WrestleMania, but throughout the sort of middle stretch of WrestleMania up until the last ten years or so, it was a it, you know WrestleMania was an arena thing. It was a big arena, but it was an arena. Um, but 17 is one where they went to a dome and they put a hell of a lot of people in there, and those hell of a lot of people cared about the McMahons and they cared about when Linda stood up and they cared about when Stephanie and Trish had a fight and they cared about when Mick Foley got involved as ref. Um, it's all gaga, as some would say. It's all smoke and mirrors. But in terms of the story that that told, that's a hell of a match. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. Again, you know, what WrestleMania 17 did really well is there was probably no... And, and, and I'd have no arguments if anyone said WrestleMania 17 was the best pay-per-view of all time. Um, I don't agree, but I certainly have no arguments. What it did so well is there's probably never been an event that presented something for everyone um, in quite the same manner there was every style of wrestling really or every style of wrestling you could access in North America was available at, uh, on that show and, and for the most part done exceptionally well I, I thought Shane against Vince was a soap opera of a match um, and as it should have been it's, it was a soap opera going into it and um, I just I don't know I, you can't there's no I, if you were going to be a purist and a bit of a nerd about it you could you could pick a million and one holes with it but it made me feel good when I watched it and it entertained the hell out of me and I think that's all it boils down to WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle royal baby oh you know it man you know Time it for another one of that's those a... it took se- 17 years for the first one let's have the next one but that's that is that is exactly my point you know like that gimmick but, and they really knew how to do this at that point I remember a Raw not long before Mania got that this, this Wrestlemania considering it was so good that really was built up very late notice it was only a couple of weeks before Mania that they added the TLC and the gimmick battle royal on the same night um Triple H Undertaker was added very late. Thinking about it, has there ever? There's, there's clearly never been an example of a car that's been so good that's been built up so last minute. My God, it was thrown together. Um, but yeah, there was you know there was stunt fest, there was comedy, serious wrestling matches, hardcore matches, grudge matches, just immense, absolutely immense. So well done. Loved it. Uh, the third one that's on Reese's list is Taker versus HBK, twenty six. Yes. And I don't want to dwell too much on the uh, 
uh, on that ma on that um, feud in particular because it is the kind of obvious go-to Triple H. For oh, sorry, I keep doing that. It is the uh, the Shawn Michaels of the Undertaker, um, but I don't think many people say the second one. Um, no, they don't. It definitely suffers, doesn't it, in comparison? I'll be I'll be brutally honest, and this might be me me just being a contrary Mary. I can appreciate how great those matches were. I really can. Would I list them in my top five WrestleMania matches? I genuinely wouldn't. And and that is probably me just... There's an element of it just being a bit of a backlash against it being so popular. I, I'm prepared to admit that. But I just don't know. I don't know what it is. It just didn't do it for me in quite the same way as it did for everybody else. I think they were both exceptional matches. But give me a choice between, again, going back to it, Bret Hart and Roddy Piper from WrestleMania 8, and I'll take Hart and Piper every time. There you go. Controversial. But... Uh... That's what we're here for. Um, I will say that um, I remember being very anti the rematch. I remember saying, "Don't do a rematch. You can't. You know, don't go and spoil the magic." Uh, and in some ways, you could argue that it's a, uh, not necessarily a better match, but a better feat for them to come back a year later and to be able to uh, to still put you through everything and and make you feel the way that you did. So uh, I would certainly give them that. You know, the, how often is the um, is the sequel better than the original? Almost never, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, Sean's been in that position a couple of times. So if you were, if you're a fan of the uh, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard podcast, you would have heard them talk about Shawn Michaels' 94-95 um, on the last podcast, and they talked about the uh, the ladder match with uh, Sean and Razor, the second one, which you know I always remember quite liking as a, as a as a fan at that time. And they were talking about how difficult it was for them to put that match together. It's a, it's a good listening, including an incredible story about what Vince told them to do in that second ladder match um, what else have we got uh, Callum Thompson says Triple H versus HBK versus Benoit what a match there's an argument for that being best triple threat ever uh, up there with you know people always talk about um, you know AJ versus Daniels versus Joe and I'm not going to uh, disagree with them but I am going to say that you know the you know that being an early TNA pay-per-view compared to in WrestleMania 20, I am saying is a bit that is almost akin to saying that one match is the, you know, a Champions League final and another one is a League Two playoff. You know, it's a. I'm sure there were good matches, but you know, come on. I get what you're saying, um, and I fully, fully agree. I think it's it's not just the best triple threat match. In fact, I'm kicking myself for not me mentioning it in my top WrestleMania matches earlier. I absolutely should have done. No match. With the possible, no, with the with the absolute exception, actually, of Brett Bulldog, SummerSlam '92, when I was there live and 10 years old. But as an adult and watching on TV, no match has ever come close to getting me as invested in it as that match did. I was watching it with um, my buddy Keith in Nottingham, who's going to be doing it, doing a sixing for our Nottingham event this year, this year round. Um, sitting there in his house in Nottingham with a couple of other guys, stood bouncing on the chair, screaming tap you bitch tap you bitch tap you bitch screaming at the television just cheered like England and won the World Cup final when Benoit made Triple H tap an absolute masterpiece that match um, using the the heat that Triple H had in within the sort of smart audience crowning Benoit um, at just the right moment it, and having a phenomenal match to boot it just Absolutely. hands down the best triple threat match of all time and for me yeah 
no, it's the emotion. I've never, I've never felt emotion like that in a match, really, as an adult before or since. Um, I'm interested in the as we wind down this podcast and one earlier on we talked about the the nature of burning bridges, um, and in a week where, uh, as we're just about to discuss before we end the podcast, um, where we've had some, uh, some good support from WWE. And we're very excited about some of our projects going forward. Um, you have re—you've uh, gone back to the tap you bitch story, um, <laughs> which I think was the, your first instance of giving Triple H some uh, personal stick on this. If podcast. I told Triple H that story, he would consider that a massive professional compliment. That actually is true. That is true. But you know what that means now. Have you met Triple H? I think you have. No, I've never—I've never met him. All right. I thought you had briefly at the uh, no. UK tournament, but. Um, uh, when we do meet in and my goodness me I hope it's together I am going to get you to tell that story <laughs> and, and I would with, with absolute glee because and, and, and it is meant as a compliment 100% at the time I wanted to punch his lights out in that moment and again compliment phenomenal performance you might not be able to tell but you broke up when you started to tell that um, yeah, so I... I think that is that is proof not your fault I think that is proof that WWE are constantly listening in and just as soon as you started to uh, give Triple H some stick, then the uh, the line went a bit funny there. So uh, we really are going to have to wrap this podcast up, otherwise it'll be uh, um, I don't know. We might get uh, um, I don't know some some sort of poisoning in Salisbury or something. I don't want to go down that road. Um, but um, just the last couple of uh, mentions from people. Um, uh, Clint, Mc- I don't want to end it on this one because I always think this is a bit of a an overrated match. But uh, Clint Clint McCormick says um, the Iron Man match, presumably obviously referring to uh, uh, Brett versus Sean from. WrestleMania, ooh, let me see, 12. Um, I've never been a huge fan, and like I said earlier on, am I not a huge fan because I'm too invested in the fact that Brett lost, or is it a little bit overrated? I would say it's a lot overrated. Not, not, doesn't do it for me at all. I just think it's uh, self-indulgent, frankly. I don't think, I don't think it's that exciting. I don't think it's that dramatic. I think it's two guys who are showing their absolute masters of their craft in terms of in-room work, but psychology-wise, I think they missed the mark. Uh, Jericho versus Shawn Michaels is what uh, Leanne Culverhouse offers. Uh, again, great choice. It's um, a brilliant, an amazing build to that match. Do you remember how good that build was and how long it lasted? Um, yeah, no complaints from me whatsoever. Probably in my top ten. Probably wouldn't crack my top five. Superb though. It's funny how I come across that one because it's not the fault of the match, but I um I I, I love that match. It's a very very good match. It's a very good uh, personal issue. But the one that they had four or five years later was just so much better. And so when I think of Jericho and Sean, I think of the ladder match. I think of the uncensored clash. I think of Jericho punching Sean's wife. Um, I think of all that stuff, um, which would have been post WrestleMania 24, I think. Correct. I think it would, I think it would have been the summer of 90 of 2008. Yeah. Um, so uh, I go to that rather than going to what this would have been WrestleMania 19, would it? The Jericho Sean. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so where where that's 2003 or so, I go to the 2008 feud, which oh, I think is among the greatest ever. So. I just I can't have it in my WrestleMania top list purely because I think they did better stuff outside of Mania. That's not that's probably me being slightly unfair about my criterion there, but it's uh, 
it's one I I, uh, I can't help but do. Um, right, I think we've run out of time on that really, and we're gonna. I think let's um, think about our future question of being, you know, as a kid, what might have been your favourite match, or what's the, what's um, a, a WrestleMania example of, you know, you loving a match as a kid and maybe not so much as an adult, or maybe even more so, but just for a different just for a different reason. That'd be a fun topic, and we probably should do. Uh, some favourite manias in there as well at some point. As we build towards our WrestleMania, hey, listen, no one said we had to be original, okay? This WrestleMania season, we can instigate our own debate as we see fit. Um, now, Paul, um, just before we um, uh, wrap up this bad boy, um, talking about our WrestleMania parties, we talked about it earlier on, 23 different parties uh, all around the country, and in, indeed across the pond in Canada, in Calgary as well. Um are you in a position to give anyone the uh, the exciting couple of pieces of information we received this week, or are we going to leave that as a secret fancy topic for the for the uh, weeks to come? Um, would you mind if we left it a week? No, not at all. Not at all. You're the let's best man. I just let's to, leave uh, it. Let's. I'm very tempted, but I just want to get all my ducks in a row in terms of announcing it properly because I think it's going to be. Some people will shrug their shoulders, other people will think this is fantastic, but it's something that's going to add a real interesting quality to the um, evening before the pay-per-view um, and encourage you guys to be part of something literally historic. Yes, we are, we are looking we'll to, um, to something uh, not massively different. and not anything. It's probably more exciting to us than it is to you guys, um, but it would also be something that uh, I'm hoping that most of you as uh, hooked-on devotees will be able to... Um, look back and be proud that you were a part of and, and supported us on so hopefully more news on that next week and indeed um, just some gen the general buzz about our Wrestlemania parties continues to, uh, to gain traction and we're getting some support in some really good areas for that as well that was kind of the second thing I was alluding to there Paul and that uh, uh, we're getting some good backing for that and again we are indeed talk about that a little bit closer to Wrestlemania itself uh, and indeed how you can become even more involved uh, in what we are doing for WrestleMania. Uh, so, Paul, if you just give the uh, the necessary addresses one more time, where can people find us online? Where can they buy tickets? Where can they find information? And how can they contact us? No problem. All right, guys. So, the main hub for all our information, tickets, etc., will be will always be facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. You go to our events page there and you can find out information about us, what we're doing, every single event, ticket info, etc. Uh, you can also follow what we're doing on HO underscore wrestling at Twitter. Um, then we are on, if you want to buy tickets direct, you can go to ringsideworld.co.uk, just search Hooked On and you'll find our event page there. Or go to hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store. That's it. Excellent. And so uh, hopefully you'll be able to, uh, to do all of those things and you'll be able to come away uh, enlightened and ready to support us for WrestleMania. I'm sure most of you listening uh, are already sorted, but if you're on the fence, lots and lots of good reasons uh, to come along. Enjoy WrestleMania in a unique environment. Have some fun. And there'll be something you'll be able to go away and say that you've done and you'll have uh, experienced a different way. And I guarantee you, you'll be back. So wherever you are um, all over the country, uh, find out more uh, about the nearest party to you. And indeed, um, Paul, we've got some unbelievable hosts. We've added another couple of uh, special guest hosts this week. I don't know yep. if they're out in the public domain yet, but... Uh, 
there's some pretty cool guests that we're um, we're adding to the uh, the uh, the roster. Yeah, so I'll stick them on here. It'll be a bit of an exclusive. I am planning to splash about all the different hosts next week um, once we've got the last couple confirmed. But um, essentially, yeah, we are going to have uh, Lana Austin, one of the best female wrestlers in the UK. She's going to be hosting for us in Lincoln, which we're very excited about, our debut there. Um, and we're going to have a bit of a British wrestling legend go to Sheffield. Um, the Phoenix, Jody Fleisch, is going to be making his debut with Hooked on Events. Um, he's going to be in Sheffield for us. And his old, um, what would you call it, his old uh, partner in crime, I guess, um, the Wonder Kid, Johnny Storm, he's going to be in Luton. So we're really getting some of those names in from British wrestling now. That is, we've worked with uh, a, a famous triumvirate there, I would say, from having uh, from having Spud these days, uh, known as Drake Maverick, uh, on the on the Bruce tour, and then with uh, Johnny Storm and Jody Fly. So those three go together in my mind for uh, for their matches with uh, Ring of Honor and so forth. So it's uh, pretty cool to have had all of those on the hooked on banner at some point. And with other people such as uh, Joseph Connors and Dean uh, uh, Dean Williams, goodness me, Doug Williams, <laughs> only the, only the, one of the best British wrestlers ever, and I got his first name wrong. I am very sorry. I was going to say Doug Williams, and I was going to say to a far lesser extent Dean Ayas. I'm not including those two in the same bracket by any point. But uh, no, Dean's not a host this time, but he has been. Uh, we've we've got uh, some fun. We've before. got some brilliant hosts. You know, we've got you know we've got Dan Reed in there. We've got um, we've got some geezer called Rob McNichol in there. I'm also really pleased to say that our VIP party um, at London Bridge, we've common, commandeered the services of none other than the WWE United Kingdom tournament ring announcer, Mr. Andy Shepard. Last seen last seen broadcasting with David Hay from Cageside at Bama. Oh, I wonder how you got him. Mm, um, I wonder. So uh, when I get when I get removed from doing hosting duties in London because David <laughs> Hay has taken over, I think I'm just going to have to accept it. I know there's not a lot I can you do. Are, if, uh, you are. If the haymaker decides that uh, uh, that he's going to uh, supersede me, and let me tell you, I live in Devon. I know a bit about making hay. But you uh, want to be careful as well, Rob, because you know you, once you are our most famous host, um, if you're not very, if you're not really careful, if Rob Grant does much better in his career in Calgary as a drive time commercial radio host you're not even going to be the most famous Rob uh, do you know what mate you're up to 23 parties now I think I'm struggling to stay in the top 20 I am I'm, I'm, I have gone from you know standing astride these parties like a, a mighty colossus to now being basically happy to just stay out of the relegation zone in the bottom three or four um, so I am uh, I'm more than happy with my role at the moment I'm clinging on by the skin of my teeth but uh uh, listen, it's all fun, and it's uh, it's great fun to do. Um, what we sometimes tend to do is forget some of our regular hosts that uh, might not have the same profile, but have uh, been with us for a long, long time and do a great job, which is why we have them. So uh, people like um, Ben Brown and Richard Young and uh, Danny Hope and various others are just absolute mainstays uh, of, our, oh, of nice. our parties, and we're with us a long time. And so uh, we are hugely grateful to those because, hey, because more goes in than just hey listen I'm lucky because I do the London one which is a big one and there's a there's a crew of us and people are taking they're taking money on the door and they're issuing tickets and they're looking after the beer pong and they're playing the music I'm just a wally that gets given the microphone and talks I don't have to do a lot but some of our other hosts are involved in organising the event liaising with the venue 
um, organising the timings of stuff and all that kind of caper. I don't have to worry about that. I have to just talk nonsense. It's quite easy for me. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's all fun and games. And listen, hopefully you can tell just how excited we are uh, that it's coming closer, how excited we are to be involved with all of these events. The only thing that I genuinely am upset about is I, I would like to go to other ones. I would like us to I know. You know have more of these a year so I could travel around going to all the other ones. But, uh, but listen, I wouldn't swap the... Uh, Swap where I am for the world in front of 500 people or more uh, in the Clapham Grand, which is the coolest venue, uh, and some great people that help us set up. So anyway, that's enough sick of fancy for one uh, uh, for one episode. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with another episode of the show that is the Sons Hooked on Wrestling, and we'd also encourage you to uh, to check out all of the WWE news uh, at the Sons website, thesun.co.uk. And if you can go to the WWE section from there, uh, you can see some uh, some news updates and from time to time uh, some little inputs from us. We did some predictions for last week's pay-per-view and every now and again uh, you'll see a little missive from me uh, talking about uh, an opinion or something that I may have. It's a, a real privilege to be uh, about writing on that stage again. It's uh, not where I was before in terms of being the, uh, the regular news updater. I don't really have the time for that anymore, but it's nice to be able to... Um, let my creative juices flow from time to time and uh, and knock something off for you. So uh, please do continue to support the uh, the Suns Wrestling pages uh, because they have, have been very good to us in supporting the podcast. Um, I think that's enough uh, enough plugging and enough uh, being nice to people because uh, I don't know about uh, you, Paul, but it's not against it's not my in my natural uh, state to be quite this nice. Um, but uh, especially to you. Um, but we'll uh, we'll move on and we'll get ever closer to WrestleMania. 34. It's now inside a month. We're all getting very excited and we are going to see you there wherever you are in the country. So from my old mate Showbiz Paul Benson. Ta-ta! And from me Robert Nick I want to say thank you for tuning into the show but most importantly just remember that it's wrestling so enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.